Welcome to Spark, careers in agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, president at Paulson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. We are at Aurora Cooperative today in Aurora, Nebraska. So we're on the road, and we're going to talk to Don Caldwell, who is the head of government affairs at Aurora Cooperative. Don, welcome to the Spark podcast. Thanks for having me. This is really cool. Absolutely. Excited to hear what your advice is going to be. So tell us a little bit right now about what your role is like and what a a really good day in your job is like. <laughs> so there, I, I get to have a lot of good days, which is nice. But my role is interesting because it didn't exist before I took it, and it's still relatively new. So if you think about cooperatives all across the United States, uh, particularly a local farmer-owned cooperative such as we are, and not that we're small, we're not. Um, we're spread across seven states, but. Um, we are not a regional cooperative such as CHS or somebody like that that we would work with. Uh, they do have people doing what I do at a very high level. My role is very much collaboration um, with some of those folks that um, at, at the regional level as well as the National Cooperative Council and then each of the commodity groups. So I work a lot in, in communicating with the corn folks or the cattle folks or soybean um, Farm Bureau, any any entity that is working on behalf of farmers to make sure that legislation and um, different rules and regulations are in favor of farming, farming business, um, and using good sound science to make some of those decisions mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. all of those decisions, yep. that's a good day. When we get a win <laughs> that is actually sound science-based, that's a great day. Um, so I get to I get to work with all those folks as well as the farmer owners and our other senior management. So no two days look alike. It's a lot of communication. It's a lot of discernment um, and a lot of communication. So with the exception of the farmer owners you talked about, all those other organizations are also member owned or member based organizations. So they they have some challenges that overlap with what yours do and yeah, there could be, and and it could be that one of those organizations has a, a conflicting view on a specific area. I don't know what that may be. Sometimes I'll pick one that can be a hot topic. Sometimes we're very very pro ethanol at the Aurora Cooperative, and not always through history has, for instance, National Cattlemen been pro ethanol the way some corn growers would want to see it or some co-op members may want to see it. So. We, we address those issues from the perspective of the cooperative farmer owner. What do they need to do? I have to set my personal values aside, and I'm, I'm you know, very much for the success of our farmer owner, owners and our corn growers here in Nebraska and, mm-hmm. and across the U.S., but that's one area. And if there's an issue that could be particularly volatile that doesn't directly affect our business structure or our farmer owners, we tend to stay away from that. So if it's a, an emotional issue that is being brought out on, you know, in the whole campaign world or whatever, I, we, we don't touch those areas, um, but we do go to bat for our farmers and ranchers. And at the local level, it might be trying to make some sort of solution regarding property tax. And at a federal level, it's making sure that we still get to use anhydrous as, as one of our sources of fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So year-round E15 has been a big 
bonus for you guys, a big boon. Yeah, we're really excited that, that because that's great news for the ethanol industry and the corn industry. Um, the company, Aurora Cooperative, is a, a part owner of an ethanol plant, so we do have specific then. interest in yeah. that. At the same time, we understand that that doesn't really mean anything in our farmers' pockets yet. So, uh, so there's a lot of work to be done still to make sure more, more convenience stores and more fueling stations want to retail E15 and understand the benefits of using that and consumers understand the benefits. So that's one area that we do need to participate in heavily on behalf of our farmer owners. Very good. All right, so let's take a look back to your childhood and to mm -hmm. growing up. And can you kind of talk about what that was like and how you got to where you're at right now? Yeah, so that's fun to think back to, first of all, um, because it's a long time ago now, So, or I feel like it's a long time ago. I grew up on a, on a diversified, non-irrigated farm in south-central Nebraska, um, and we had, we had everything. We had the barnyard, if you will. So we had a, a few dairy cows that my dad taught us to milk by hand because mom and dad were feeding four kids, and that was a good way to do it with milk that we had to get ourselves. Um, the neighbor had a dairy, and I didn't understand why we had to milk by hand when there was milk right, over there. right there. Yeah, but it was good work ethic and and uh, good good for building um, muscles in your forearms. So. <laughs> So we had that, but we also had a, a really nice commercial beef cow herd that, that mom and dad still have to this day. And my brother, um, we raised a few hogs. We were pharaoh to finish. And at the time that, you know, you think about in the ag industry, for the most part, if you were a pork producer, you either got pretty big or you got out. Um, the buying stations were going away and many of those sorts of things. And, and it was best for our farm um, to concentrate on the cattle and crops and move away from the hogs. So that was the choice that dad made. Um, my, my brothers had a handful of chickens and goats for their own little enterprise mm -hmm. that they took on through 4-H. I chose to not participate in those two enterprises <laughs> um, unless they would pay me to help do their chores. So then we also had um, wheat and sorghum down in our area being dry land um, it was more drought tolerant at that time than corn we didn't have um, the oh, seed traits yeah. that we have today in yep. corn to be able to do a lot better we did raise some corn um, and then started on soybeans i remember getting excited about soybeans so this is this is really showing my age because soybeans didn't used to be so big in our area and i remember being old enough so say middle school age probably um, and, and I was watching the noon news and it's always a big deal on the noon news to hear the markets, if the markets are doing better, especially. And I vividly remember dashing to the kitchen saying, dad, soybeans are going over $7. This was a big, big deal <laughs> back in that time. And we were new at raising soybeans. So I personally was really excited about it, you yeah. know, and didn't even fully understand why. Didn't fully understand the concept of what I was talking about. But now looking back, that was really meaningful, you know. And so raised on that farm and ranch, um, I in high school, I was, I graduated high school in 1990, so growing up through the 80s in the farming um, world was difficult. And I watched my parents succeed at, at surviving the 80s. And I was going to not stay around to have to have things that difficult too. And I was looking at my options, and when I was a, a junior, early senior in high school, I was pretty certain I wanted to live in a big city, um, possibly even in a 
uh, maybe more at risk portion of the city to work with students who didn't wow. have the the life that I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I had parents that cared a lot about me. I had food on the table. It, everything may have come with a little bit of a struggle during the 80s, but we never went hungry by mm-hmm. any means. And to get to help kids that had a different situation, I thought that could be something I'd be very interested in. And I wanted to teach math. That was that was going to be my avenue to get there to do that. And as I was in in I don't know, we'll say algebra two and then senior math, whatever that was. My math teacher said, Don, I know you've been thinking about this and you should not go be a math teacher. Really? And yeah. And I thought, well, thanks a lot. Yeah. Now what am I going to (laughs) do? So this was my plan for all this time. One of my best friends and I, we were going to go save the world, you know, and help all these at-risk kids not have to be at risk and go do wonderful things. And, and she said, Don, you can't, do well at something that comes so easy for you. You're not going to be patient with the students, and it's going to be a frustrating struggle for you and them. So it wasn't because you weren't good at that. It, you were too good at it that. Was, yeah, it came wow. too easy for me. And I and she was so good at with each student. And bear in mind, you know, I graduated. I had seven classmates when I graduated. There were eight of us. And in senior math, there were four in my class, and each one of us would get it in a different way. And she knew how to explain to every one of us, so the marble would roll in the slot. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Don, you you should not, you can't, you you don't even get how I just explained this to this other person." I said, "No, nah, that made no sense at all." She goes, "Then don't go wreck a bunch of kids." <laughs> <laughs> so um, I started wow. thinking then about that. It, Full transparency to all the young ladies listening to this. I thought, well, I wonder how I could find a cowboy to marry because that would be my next choice. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I thought, well, ranch management. I really want to focus on the grass part of, of our operation, and, and I really love the idea of ranching. So I looked at going to a college in Idaho, and I, I was raised Lutheran, South Central Nebraska. That's what we do. And, and this particular college... Um, was a Mormon college, but very high ratings for their ranch management program. So I called there, and knowing little to nothing about the Mormon ways, really, I they're wonderful people. I have wonderful friends now that are are Mormons, and we get along perfectly. But not knowing then, it was very scary. And so I called and said, can I have a Protestant roommate? Would that be something I could do at your college? And they said... <laughs> Well, if we had any Protestant (laughs) students, we would try to match you up. But the likelihood is very, very minimal. So I thought, okay, I should keep thinking. And then I was blessed to get a great scholarship at the University of Nebraska. Um, Chose to go there, major in animal science. Um, And I, you know, so that that was where I ultimately landed and got my education. And here I am today you know after a a career path to get here but that was my that was my growing up days and it was good it was a good it was a good life um we never we never had too much we never had too little and I think that was important um to help each of me and my siblings learn how to prioritize Mm -hmm. so where did you go after you graduated my first job out of college was with the Extension Service, and we were a 4-H family. We, we still bleed green. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was my 4-H leader the whole time. She uh, continued for years after until we finally said, you know what, you could come to more grandkid things if you weren't leading this 4-H <laughs> club still. So anyway, um, I, I took a job 
being in charge of the youth ag programming or 4-H mm-hmm. ag programming in three counties in Nebraska. So I had Knuckles there in Fillmore counties for any listeners that might know where that is. Um, I, I loved what I got to do with the youth. And as we all do, we tend to really go to bat for our kids when they're the ones in 4-H. If I could have done everything with the youth and very little with the parents, I may have <laughs> stayed in extension. Doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> Might have stayed there. Actually, I, I, we started our family, and I found that I was spending a tremendous amount of time with everyone else's kids and not nearly enough time with my own kids, and I had to make a choice to do something different. And I found a job um, in a, in a town right by where we lived, I would still get to work with many of the same people, but now they would be as feed customers. Mm -hmm. And it was a small independently owned grain elevator and feed company. And they gave me a shot. I took a pay cut to go do it. I was brave enough to work on commissions. I had a very low base salary plus commissions. They, did not want to compensate any overtime. I had to learn how to integrate my family and the job, and they they expected Saturday morning presence at the at the elevator where I worked, which I had, was one of the things I did have working in extension. I had government holidays for the most part, oh, sure. and I had Saturdays off unless it was county fair time or or state fair time. So that was an adjustment and a sacrifice, and at the same time. It was a wonderful learning experience starting a company or working in a company that was basically just starting, building up their their feed business portion of their family-owned business. Were you the only person selling feed for them? Mm -hmm. Except the owner, yeah. Oh, wow. So the owner, if he saw somebody, and then he would say, you should talk to Don about building the diet. And, And so I would... And it was a lot of fun. They so were you're acting as nutritionist also. Yes. For them. Yes. Yep. And choosing what products we would have in the warehouse and you know, I all sorts of things. So I was out in the country, but I was also working on what we would order and have on hand. I was working with the person who was mixing and delivering the feed. There was I learned a tremendous amount because of what all we had going on. Um, I got to, I got to the point where as I was sourcing ingredients and I had built up a really, really good customer base, it it was unbelievable what you could accomplish out of that small business that we were doing. And I was actually sourcing some ingredients from the Aurora Cooperative, dry distillers grains. And I was working with a feedlot that I was selling product to and the Aurora Cooperative he, and, and full disclosure, the customer consulted with them too, and my margin wasn't very much going to him, but I was, I was a middle-middle person. And so he said, Don, I'm going to get my distiller's grains direct from Aurora Co-op because Aurora Co-op had taken over or purchased locations down along the Kansas-Nebraska state line, which was only 10 miles south of where my little feed store was. So I said, well, Monty, you know, that's fine. It's certainly your choice, but I don't, um, I'm just frustrated. And I left it with him like that. And I said, are you still going to get your premix and, you know, these things? And of course, you know, that was all fine. So I worked very hard to keep him as a customer on everything else. Two people from Aurora Co-op walked in my office and I jumped all over them for, I said, why would you go direct to my customer? You knew full well that product was going to him. You're getting the same price regardless 
if he gets it from me or you. And they said, why don't you come for work for us and you won't need to worry about it. And my first intuition was, but you undercut me. And my second intuition was, hmm, <laughs> I should really think about this. You know, there are different opportunities. I could make sure that the ethics and values portrayed are, are mine and how I handle my customers, regardless of who I work for. And so I asked them why they wanted to consider me to work for them. And they said, well, we've taken over these locations in the South, and you've obviously done well because we asked the feed truck driver at Byron why they aren't very busy down there. And he said, why don't you go ask that lady at Desher that's taken all our business? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I took that as a compliment, and yep, I, did, yep. I did think about it. And, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful choice to have done this. Now, sadly, for that company I was at, um, I, it, it was a blessing to me. Sometimes we don't know why things are timed the way they are. But shortly after I left that company, within a couple of years, it got taken out by a tornado and oh not rebuilt. Oh, so wow. I just think God might have been looking out for me to yep. let me have my yep. feet on the ground with a different company um, prior to that happening. Yeah. So, um, And that family's still farming and successful and, and doing just fine that owned the business. And I will forever appreciate and respect them for giving me the shot they did at yep. the time they did. And you learned a lot from them. Oh, yep. I learned so much. And they, they had great success with you. At yeah. Yeah. Your hands absolutely. In the business. So yeah, it was a good exchange. It was, it was. <laughs> so that was, that was the first several years after college, I guess, was getting through extension and then that small business. So you, how came long here. have you actually been here at Aurora? I've been at Aurora Co-op since December of 2000. Okay. So we're well, coming up on 18 then. years. Yeah. That's yeah. Great. And it's, great. it doesn't feel like, I guess it's gone really fast. That's what I would say. And so 10 years of that was in the feed division, doing consulting, sales, um, some area management, those sorts of things. And then got asked, I think because I kept asking for things for my customers, and we were in a, we were in a growing transition stage with the whole company. And I got a phone call. I remember I was standing on the football field at a junior high track meet. I got a phone call that said, I want you to think about doing something. And if you say no, that's okay. You should spend the weekend thinking about it with your husband. And I was like, well, what? What do you want me to think about? And he goes, well, I'm going to create a position with you in mind. But if you say no, <laughs> just tell me. <laughs> yeah. So it was, uh, it was to create a marketing and promotion corporate communications position for the whole company. We had somebody doing advertising and wearables. Uh, we did not have a great presence in the marketplace with, you know, caps and things that, that showed off our A brand. Um, and we had somebody else doing donations and sponsorship type things. And so the thought was um, those folks, and they're still here um, in HR doing an outstanding job, they would transition into HR and I would take those two positions and build our brand. So with absolutely zero experience or training of any kind in building a brand and marketing, <laughs> I, I did. I, I started figuring out new and different wearables that people would want to wear besides being at work, um, you know, caps and items. For, so that was the fun part was the shopping. But there was also, <laughs> because, you know, that is fun, um, there was also the part of you know, being a good steward of the farmer owner's money while building our brand. Mm -hmm. And there's a fine balance that happens with that. So 
I also managed our board of directors uh, meetings and activities and minutes and all those sorts of things working directly with our CEO uh, their board retreats that was all that was all part of my responsibility at that time and then we were at a, a strategic planning retreat with our board of directors um, we had our the, the CEO we had then um, got cancer and ultimately had to leave the company his health was was not good and so we moved him to CEO emeritus and had some promotion within the company and as we were holding a board retreat uh, we had an update from Washington DC and I went to our CEO and and I said that was okay but gosh I wonder if it couldn't have probably been better and he said I'm wondering if we shouldn't just have you do that full-time I've been thinking about it through this whole last segment of our meeting and so we both agreed we would think about it, though, because new position again. So now I'm in the third position mm-hmm. that didn't exist in this company before I took it. So you're kind of used to this. And whole... Yeah, it's, it's scary and exciting at the same time. And so uh, we both spent a couple months thinking about what that would look like, what some kind of a job description would be, what my responsibilities would basically amount to. And here I am. Wow. And somebody described my job recently as like, so you get paid to go to meetings. I said, well, kind of I do. (laughs) Yeah, I really do. But other people get to stay home and do the work then too. So, you know, the the hands-on operations work. And I get to make sure that they have the ability to keep doing that work they're doing in the manner that Mm -hmm. is best. So I know from my own experience that when you make a change like that in your life and and our audience at some point this is going to end up happening to you, you get to the point where where you need to change how you see value in yourself and what you do, and you have to let go of the things you used to do that either were very tactile or tangible and, and felt very productive mm-hmm. and move to something that's a little nebulous and a little ambiguous and, and then still understand that you are bringing value. And I don't know if you've run into that in all your transitions, but... You just my described guess. my entire last attempt at reviewing myself. <laughs> Um, we, oh gosh, it is, I, some days I wake up, um, I always, part of what I think about every morning is, um, one, carrying out the purpose I'm supposed to carry out that day in in a grand way, but two, um, what am I going to do for the farmer owners of this company today? And part of that is, is this interview. I have to learn that this or this, you know, this podcast is very much a way of doing that because in some scope and realm of everything, part of my responsibility is building the bench for the mm-hmm. next people coming behind me and to help the next people have maybe fewer of the challenges that I had. And so just being able to visit about that stuff and say, "Hey, here's here's where you take a shot and here's how you do it." I wish somebody would have said, "Don, take the shot sooner." You know, and, and I don't know what I would have done. I get goosebumps now thinking, well, that was scary. <laughs> that was really that? scary. Would I have done it? I had a lot of diapers to buy. Um, so so there's, there's that difficulty in not being able to show numbers of customers that you've called on, tons of feed they've mm-hmm. bought, dollars of revenue you've generated. Yeah. So as I think about my review this year, I had to think about, what regulations did we overcome or stall? Mm-hmm. How did we impact or not what the farm bill may become for our farmer owners? 
How are we helping our farmer owners have different access to health insurance that they can afford more easily, potentially? Um, just anything like that that is so far out there from what I thought yeah. of when I was building a ration and walking a feedlot. And I will say the hardest thing for me to give up was the people. So I talked to my farmers and my ranchers every day. I was in their feed yards. I was at their kitchen tables for pancakes in the morning. I was on their tailgate with a Diet Pepsi in the afternoon. And I haven't drank a Diet Pepsi now for three years. So, um, But that's what I did, you know, or in their shop having having a beer at 6 o'clock saying, hey, you know, what what is going on here, guys? This doesn't look right in this pen. We need to fix something. Let me see your feed records. And... So not having that tangible conversation, more so even than the the dollars to turn in, that was the hardest for me. And I still love, I still love my people that I got to work with through the years. And I still hope every day that I get to run across one of them and say, how's it going? And genuinely care. Yeah. So new metrics to measure what you're doing, but still yeah. feeling like those relationships are are in large part why we get up every morning absolutely what we do <laughs> yeah we have to have a why everybody has to have yeah. a why you know for what they do to wake up every day so true mm -hmm. so what are some challenges or obstacles that you've had to overcome along the way mm. so put it out there first being a girl female was a little tough uh, and, and especially the path you chose at the oh, very beginning yeah building up a Getting a book people from scratch. Yes. Field. And having back then middle to upper age men who were the primary customers um, trust a young, wet behind the ears female with their cattle diets was whew, and like, really, you're just trying to get me to spend money so you'll get commission. No, no, I am doing with you exactly what I would do if they were my own cattle. And it took an amount of time to get that trust built mm -hmm. up and. I don't know if I've shared this story with you before, but I had had a great experience with a, an older um, bachelor and in any place else in the world, he would have been retired, you know, but he had no reason to retire ever. He, he would never, he did not ever retire before he passed. So he had a handful of cows and when I say a handful, I don't know, 30 cows and he would feed out all of his own livestock, his steers and heifers. And I needed to go look at them and talk to him about his feed. I was directed very clearly that I was going to go see this person and and talk to him about how he was feeding his animals. Like, okay, is there anything I need to know before I go? Like, well, he could be a little set in his ways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I've, I will be prepared for that. So as we get out there, I said, Leroy, I really need to look at your... I need to go look at your feeder cattle so we can see if we have them on the right ration, if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He was, now as we walk out here, you can't talk because they're not used to a female. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be quiet in that pen. So, you know, you think 30 cows, man, that's, that's hardly any. But when you have all of his business and he puts mm -hmm. all of his trust in you, it ends up being a really nice account. So you don't want to ignore the person with 30 cows as much as you want to achieve the business of the person with 300 cows. And so he learned to trust me fully, recommended me to all of his coffee shop friends. Oh, man. Um, That's gold. It, right yes, there. it was. It absolutely was. He said, if you want the right rations, you need to talk to this lady, you know. And so that was very helpful to me. But it took, it, it was a tremendous challenge to earn 
the trust of all those men and mistakes came along the way. And I think the hardest challenge for me was owning up to a mistake that was a serious financial loss for somebody. And so when I misread a tag from a company that we hadn't used product for from much before, but I had been, I had been suggested, Hey, use this. This will be really good for these people's. It was, it was four H pigs. So now even more important, some little kids projects yeah. are involved in this. Yeah. And I didn't understand. I, I, my understanding is we were getting a something that you just mixed with corn. So it had the soybean meal and proteins already mixed in it. And we needed to just add corn to it. That was not the case. What they sent us um, was just the vitamins and trace minerals. We had to add soybean meal and corn. And these pigs were just not growing correctly, not growing. Well, that's what happens if you deny your body <laughs> of protein and fatty acids. And so I had to own that mistake. And learning to get the trust back from that family was really hard. And it took a couple years. And it takes a sincere apology and you tell yep. kids, I'm so sorry. I am so sorry I wrecked your 4-H project. Let's get them together so you're not out for State Fair and Exarbon. You know, um, let's see what we can make happen still. And thank you for coming and telling me something was wrong and it wasn't a health issue. It was a nutrition issue. So those learning moments that are painfully humbling mm-hmm. are some of the best learning moments we get. So but likely because you actually did own up to it. You have to. You know? Yeah, you have to. Somebody else's life is, is made different because of something you did, good or bad, and you have to own up to it. And I certainly never made that mistake again. <laughs> <laughs> and they know that, too. That family knows that. And so, you know, life moves on. The sun is still going to come up. Uh, you're You're still doing great things for a lot of other people, too. And you have to remember that as well. And even though you have that sick, horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach, and it is a good way to lose about 10 pounds because you care so much, yep. um, that's that's a big challenge. And I think other challenges have been when I was really young, that, that first decision to change jobs because of my kids um, and my family, just being able to evaluate the I, I don't know about the word balance, but being able to integrate work and family in a good way is important. And if I, you know, you everybody has to decide what's right for them. If they're really good at some task and want to do shift work on a line all day long, because they can, when they leave it, they leave it. Yep. And walk away. That's, when, you're, when you're home, you're home. That's something I kind of envied of mm-hmm. people yep. uh, because we had Ranking Manufacturing right down the road from us. And when those people left work, they left. And I still had people calling saying, I'm loading the truck tomorrow and I got foot rot and half my cattle. Well, that foot rot didn't just show up tonight. <laughs> That's been coming and you didn't tell me for the last week. So, okay, I'll be right yeah, over. I'm like, all right, let's see what we can figure out. Let's see what we can sort, you know. And so I could be with my family and I could be on the phone and I could have the kids with me on a weekend foot rot disaster or whatever the case was. And still have our own, you know, farm and stuff with my husband too. We, you know, we, we have a lot of fun as, as a family and we respect each other's careers and the kids have gotten to watch then what it's like to build a career and have a family 
and do the school things. And a supportive spouse. Yeah, like. that's really yeah. important. Oh, yeah. Fully yeah. attempt to gross our kids out every chance we get. <laughs> <laughs> well, never miss those opportunities. No. Right? Yeah, yeah. Totally, totally giving each other a kiss in the kitchen when they're around. <laughs> Definitely doing that. <laughs> How much can I embarrass you? <laughs> yes, yeah. Especially if they have friends around, too. Absolutely. <laughs> So those are, you know, I being able to put put family at the highest pri- as high a priority as I want to. That was that was a challenge as a young female, mm-hmm. um, and it. I, I think one last thing that I want to touch on that is maybe the frustration I see for female spouses of my coworkers. So I have met plenty, plenty of male coworkers in my field, and I don't, I don't know if they want to leave work as quickly as us ladies do and so they don't mind staying at night and hashing out things and whatever and we really want to get our kids picked up and we want to have time to do laundry and we want to we want to be with our spouse at home and you know all that kind of stuff and it frustrates me to see them not wanting to run home to their family and I have had a chat with a couple of them about it not in a mean bossy way Mm -hmm. but in a you only get this shot one time That shredding that you're doing around the elevator, it can happen at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, too. Because I know that your kids have a ball game tonight, and they're going to notice you're not there. So, up to you. Your choice. But I'm telling you, they will remember. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, that's just, I don't know. That's some of it. If I had it to start over again, those pieces, I would would still always put the family family ahead of the income level. Yeah, I guess I've, I've learned over the years that really that's the whole point. Yeah. Is building the home. Yeah, if you don't have somebody that you're earning it to enjoy with, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? It's pretty empty. Yeah. It's really, at the end of the day, pretty empty. Yeah, exactly. So you've been really supported from your family you described mm-hmm. growing up and, and your husband and mm-hmm. have this all together. Can you kind of talk about when you felt most supported or if there was anyone else that was either a mentor to you or supportive of you? Mm Yeah, I so I did have I talked about our our just previous CEO in this company. He was very much a promoter. He spotted people that wanted to try hard or were trying hard and could see a bigger picture. And he was he was a huge advocate for me to push out of my comfort zone, I guess. And I appreciate that greatly. And my current CEO, same way. It is really fun to strategize and think with our senior leadership team here at, at Aurora Cooperative. And I I really respect and appreciate every one of my coworkers here. Outside of that, I've had customers that were some of those people that also pushed me a little bit. And I appreciate that too. And whether they would call my boss and say, hey, don't screw up and lose this person, or just tell me, you're doing a really good job, don't change it. Those kinds of things, and if you can be the customer that does that for somebody else, or the employee that does that for a boss, or the boss that does that for an employee, that all that all culminates into success for everybody, because um, sometimes you need to be told how to do things differently, too Mm -hmm. and that's okay Mm -hmm. I don't know what age it was I stopped being angry when I got told (laughs) that 
like, oh, really? <laughs> there was a reason I quit sewing very much because I could never <laughs> stop sewing for the judge after 4-H. So um, I do own That's a funny. sewing machine, but good heavens. Yeah, it's been a long time since a full fashion outfit got sewed at my house. <laughs> Um, but there, you know, so, and, and again, my mom has just been, whether it's reminding me that family is important by demonstrating how much she took care of her and dad's parents and neighbors or sending a card at just the right time saying, Hey, I don't know how you do everything you do, but good job. And I certainly don't need her validation at the same time. It's really cool to have her think it's neat what I yeah. do. So it's cool. Yeah. And I hope that I hope that my kids see that from me too. Usually it's a phone call, not a card, because I really stink at taking time to send cards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, you gotta like sign it. (laughs) You gotta get to a store to buy a card. (laughs) Yeah, I'm bad at those things. (laughs) So let's maybe talk about what you your best advice is. So now you've got kids of your own too that you're Mm -hmm. sharing advice with and but, oh, but for our Spark audience, what's your best career advice? So, first of all, be authentic to yourself. Um, it's really easy to look at, at somebody who's already making it and want to be them. It took a long time for that person to get where they are. And I still do that, even being wherever it is I'm at in my path of whatever it is I'm going to ultimately achieve or not achieve in this world I still see people I'm like oh man why can't I why can't I be that person but I was I was born and bred and wired to do certain types of things and um, I have to be authentic to myself and I have to be honest and sincere with my family and I have to understand our fiscal or financial abilities or lack of and and live within that So my advice to every young person is be coachable. That's a hard thing to do is to be coachable. And if you were very, you know, that's, that's one place I, boy, I love, I love many things in high schools, whether it's FFA and and FCCLA and FBLA and 4-H and all the things you can do when you're a youth and athletics too, because the ones that are coachable and really try to do what the coach encourages them to do, whether the coach is telling them right or wrong, do what that coach said, man, you're the ones, you're the ones that get to make it down the road. And then when you're in college, make sure you're networking already. You know, in high school and college, don't be afraid to network. And it could be joining an organization. It could be getting to know your professors and certainly taking, you know, advantage of the days they have somebody come in and talk about careers. Make sure you shake their hand. And and if, you know, you may remember them two or three or five years down the road. I just had that happen with with a young lady that I spoke in Kansas City years ago at, at a youth event. And she came up to me just recently and said, I still follow you on social media. And it, I, I just think good. it it does feel good, and then it's scary at the same time. Like, oh my goodness, people are really paying attention. I have to, what did I say? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and don't be afraid. I guess this is the other thing: is don't be ashamed is a better word to do a job that you don't see yourself doing to get by until you get what you want to do. And I was really fortunate. I. I was really fortunate to not, I guess, have to 
take a job that wasn't in, in a field I wasn't interested in. But if I were to have to do so for a while, why would I not? And if I'm doing that, I want to rock that task like nobody else can. So if you, and it could be a side job even. What if you, what if you take a job bartending or working at a fast food place or whatever it is, whether it's in addition to another job or as your sole income until you get something different because you're searching still. Do it better than anybody else. Do it cheerfully. Do it respectfully to your other coworkers. And that will pay dividends greater than just showing up, doing what you have to do to get by and taking your paycheck and going home. You will so, learn something from that experience you will that you learn don't something expect. And Absolutely. you will feel better about yourself yep. and making somebody else's day better. And sometimes just digging in and finding, finding the emotional wherewithal to make that kind of day happen is the hardest thing you'll do that day. But once you do, you're so glad you did. And so that's, you know, I, I guess your attitude plays so much into everything. And, and I encourage you to check it every morning <laughs> and midday and maybe partway through midday. <laughs> that diet Pepsi. Yeah. If you really need the diet Pepsi, you better have it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. That's really true. It's just it's very simple, but very true. And it's yeah. also very true that that can be the most difficult thing to mm-hmm. overcome is ourselves. It can. And, you know, don't, don't wish to be all that when you're 22 years old. I think I was probably between 30 and 35 when I really felt comfortable in my skin and I thought you know I am who I am and I am the size I'm going to be and Mm -hmm. I I have this much smarts or wisdom to contribute to something and these are my abilities and if that doesn't fit what you're looking for and what we're working on that's okay because I can go do other things and it took a it it took a while to grow into that. It doesn't just happen when you're 20 and 22 and 25 years old. At 25 years old, I was I had just had my second baby and I was still learning how to sleep and not oh, sleep and yeah. function without sleep and do do all the things a young mom is supposed to do, I guess. Yeah. So, whatever that is, that's different for everybody survive. also. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Survive. And enjoy it at the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. That's awesome advice. Um, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about what you are seeing kind of within your sphere of influence. If there's something that, gosh, I wish if I had control over this, this is what I would change to make things better. You put this thought out there to me before we were going to visit today, and it's probably a good thing because this is the one I've thought about the most. This is the thing since, since we visited about doing this podcast. And I thought, well, I could answer that on a very local you know, here, here's what I want. And it would just be, it would be that anybody and everybody is willing to do their work cheerfully, work alongside their coworkers cheerfully, and, and not care if they are a male or a female or whatever. Everybody's just respectful about the right person for the right position. That would be, that would be one thing. Um, because I don't know that that fully exists at this point. And on a much grander scale, I would really want to fix our world so that we aren't so divided on everything. So, for instance, you know, right in our own household, my daughter said she absolutely would not date someone of 
the other political affiliation. And I won't say that what that sure. is. You yep, know, yep. I'm, I'd, all neutral I, here. <laughs> all neutral here. But I, I just, you know, I told her, I said, you never know. You know, somebody can be middle of the road and just that's what their parents were. So that's what they signed up as and they never changed. She's like, no, no, mom, I am not doing it. So fortunately, she has found a wonderful man and they're married and he had <laughs> the right political affiliation. But um, I, I see so many people these days so divisive. And before they ever have a conversation about what they philosophically think about how different employment things should take place or how food security should take place or how trade should take place before they ever talk about those things, it's, well, what is your political affiliation? We'll never agree anyway. Let's not talk. That's not how it should be. And we're better than that. And I know there are plenty of us in this country and in this world that are better than that. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're not leading strong enough at this point right now to overcome the media, to overcome social media, to overcome that aspect of things. And so in my dream world, if I could wave a wand and make that influence that you ask about, we would find consensus in a more respectful way and understand that every little thing is not destroying our world tomorrow, whether it's using antibiotics when we feed livestock or, yep. or yep. I don't know, you know, choose something else, trading with a certain country, whatever it is, it's not going to end our lives tomorrow. And it's not going to end our lives in 50 years. And we're all getting better at everything we do with some science. Well, let's, let's come to some consensus in a more respectful way and not just turn our backs to each other. Well, that would be awesome. Oh, I, w- I wish that's that too. A, I, yeah. So I can't let myself lose sleep over it because you can only control, you know, that's right. another piece of advice, I guess. If I were to go back to something, really focus your energies on things you can control because wasted energy is, yep. is wasted potential for yourself. Yep. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To your point, it just seems as if we could strip away enough stuff so that you really were just down to the idea and it didn't have to be shackled by one side or the other. You know, yeah. there really is so much yeah. more that we agree on than disagree on. Oh, Vastly by more. far. It's just where you start the conversation. <laughs> I think that we and if up. you're going to start the conversation with, I'm going to vote this way and I'm going to vote this way. And I can't then, talk to anybody no else good. who doesn't agree with me perfectly on everything. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, as grand as our country is, because yeah. we do live in the greatest country in the world. Absolutely. We still, boy, we have some weird battles that we choose to take on. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> So we should say we're recording this the day before the election, so we're all looking forward to fewer, <laughs> fewer campaign ads yes. going forward oh after tomorrow. Goodness. That will be awesome. At least we'll know how to move forward because it'll be done, right? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So my last question for you, what what is a question that nobody asks you but you wish they would because you've got this great answer <laughs> that you'd like to give? That is such a hard question. Um, okay, well, first of all, because I reside here in Nebraska, and it's also close to Kansas, and it's a thing we do. Yes, I absolutely do eat chili and cinnamon rolls together. That's a thing. Oh. Absolutely. That is a thing. You know what? I have never thought about that, but I, when I was in elementary school, and it was a little tiny country school, mm-hmm. we always had chili and cinnamon rolls together. Mm-hmm. I have never had that since then. Oh, you should. You should, because I'm telling you, when we host a tailgate at the University of Nebraska, 
which is coming along, by the way, and getting better. <laughs> Some of the departments will do soup, and they will have chili and cinnamon rolls. So, so oh. that's that's one fun thing. And I, you know, sometimes people will ask because they're starting to notice that they haven't it's done that thing. and they're missing out. Yeah, it's well, it is. And if they haven't tried it, they shouldn't be bashing it because it's wonderful. Something else, though. Um, so the way we all tend to structure questions when we think about you know, encouraging young folks or mentoring along young folks or whatever we're doing. I don't know. And I did inject it into one of the answers I gave earlier, but nobody really asked, when did you screw up super bad? When did you just screw up? And then what'd you, what'd you do about it? You know? Yeah. How did you recover? Whether it was financially or mentally or emotionally or, you know, so I think about, I, I'm trying to think about which is my biggest mistake because I probably screw up a little something every day. <laughs> you know, also, it could be. I'm sure, like, you seem really normal to me. Yeah. I think that's a normal thing. Yeah, I, I, boy, I, yeah, I wish I didn't screw up ever. But, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll, because young people we're talking to here, one of the things I think about is my daughter reminds me now, and this is so simple. She wanted sliced brisket for their wedding reception. And I really thought, we have sliced brisket at everything. Let's have chopped brisket for the reception. And it was a big deal to her. And she still reminds me after because we bought chopped brisket. And so, <laughs> Mom, I know. So now I feel really bad about that, you know. And, and that should be the smallest thing. Yeah. And I don't know why I let it continue to bother me, but I do. So I kind of hope she listens to this because she's a, all the way to she's the a, end. Yes, so she can. Hear she it. is. Oh, yes, I'm going to send her the link. I'm like, Katie, I really am sorry. We did not choose the sliced brisket for your wedding reception. <laughs> um, and it it could be something like that. That in the big scheme of things, everybody loved the food at the wedding reception. But um, it bothered her. And she's like, it was your wedding reception done for me. I'm like, no, 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 no. It was just brisket. <laughs> I want it. Yeah. So, and then there's there's other stuff. I'm like, man, did I screw up when I didn't ask for something? You know, whether it was, and, and I'm treated so well in my role here at this company. Should I have asked for a raise at some point? Should I have... Um, gone and talked to someone about a behavior I saw in someone else, you know, and, and those kind of mistakes really matter. And it's going to matter for the person you saw the behavior in, good or bad, mm -hmm. and it's going to matter for the company as a whole. And those kind of mistakes I worry about. And so that's what I think, man, I can't, I can't screw that up. I have to choose if I'm going to promote another person in this company. And when I say promote, I want to tell the right person good things about them if I see potential in them. Mm -hmm. And all of you listening need to find your promoter. You need to find who that's a mentor and a promoter are two very different things. And you need to figure out who that person's going to be that says, you're ready. You're, you are ready to have somebody say you need the next step up and go tell your, your supervisor or some other superior that. and Or your banker or whoever it yep. is. Yep. And... I worry sometimes that I'm not doing that at the right time. And if I've made that mistake, and that would be to the de detriment of our farmer owners and anybody I may have noticed. So I don't lose sleep on it a lot, but it's something to think about and something for this audience particular to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So is there anything that I missed that we oh, didn't gosh, cover that we, that we should talk, talk about? about? Hmm. 
I don't know that, well, you covered a lot. We co- we've talked about a lot. a lot of ground. <laughs> we have covered a <laughs> lot of ground. You know, I so I would hope that more of your podcast participants talk about this, but I just want to encourage young people to not use social media in a way that will hurt their future. Mm, and I don't care really if it's advice. Snapchat, Instagram, or Facebook. I will tell you as employers, we look at all of it. And I know that there's some, you know, some privacy things out there, but your reputation precedes you. Um, if you choose to tout yeah. and I think you don't ever really know for sure if something's going to stop when you think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you just That's exactly really right. Never, just be wise know. about, and, and nobody's opposed to young people having a good time. And, you know, that's, I, for goodness sakes, I, I probably was one of the best social people in college <laughs> of anyone out there. But um, you don't have to put every action on yeah. social media. Go have the good time. And and so that's, you know, I just want to leave leave young people with that really hardcore tangible piece of advice. And you probably hear it all the time, but I, it can't be more important. And then anything else we didn't cover... I would say once you figure out um, your authentic self, be confident in pursuing something with that, whatever it is. And the greatest shortage we have in our country right now is employees, apparently. Mm -hmm. So Nebraska is going 50,000 jobs short of being covered at this point. We need people to fill 50,000 jobs in our state. and. And so that's just one state. that is just one state and we're a beautiful state. And honestly, it's not for everyone, right? That's our, <laughs> I which love I that. love. I that's love great. that slogan. So you got to have a little grit to live here, apparently. Yep. And I don't, I didn't realize I have that much grit, but apparently we do because <laughs> we're here. So, so come on and, and see what we're about. But any other step, we're just one, like you said, and there is opportunity galore in this country if you're just willing to try something that you're remotely interested in there's plenty to go do so enjoy enjoy every yeah. day fortunate group of oh graduates coming yeah out it was not like time. that when i graduated it's from a great college. time to graduate college yeah and just dive into your career and yes yeah. as long as you're not too choosy yep. right about where you live or you will learn Stay something a broad from, from every one of the experiences that you have. Yes, and, you will. Yeah, and if you're willing to be mobile, you know, you mm-hmm. have even more opportunities. Yeah. For sure. That's right. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Spark, and we hope, uh, Spark audience, we'll join, you'll join us for the next episode. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.